Welcome to Salty Crackers, where two middle-aged women discuss movies, books, things going on in the world, whatever crosses our salty little minds. Please enjoy the show, and listener discretion may be advised. This is Summer. And this is Kirsten. And we're Salty Crackers. Yes. And today we have a special guest. Yes, she is. Hello, my name is Stephanie. Yes. This is is my oldest, Stephanie. The one you gave away. (laughs) No, the one you gave life to. I know, and then you give away. (laughs) Nope, I gave you you a life. I know. (laughs) We just have to give you crap, I guess. I know, I do too. Hmm. I am grateful, though, for what you did for me, so it's all good. Right. Awesome. So, Summer. Yes, Kirsten. We have a national day today? We do. It is National Martyred Intellectuals Day. I am an intellectual, and I feel martyred all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) It is, surprise, surprise, another National State Day, National Alabama Day. And I think we have Alabama. Yes, we do. All right. Happy day, Alabama. Alabamians. Okay, it's National Booyah Base Day. What? I think it's French. And I had to write it out phonetically. So you're going to say it wrong. No, I wrote it out phonetically because I don't understand. How how do you spell it? Oh, B-O-U-I-L-L-A-B-A-I-S-S-E. It's a recipe. It's a fish stew. Yes, exactly. Okay. (laughs) Kirsten's like, whatever. Apparently, (laughs) Stephanie is fluent in French. I don't know. I'm not fluent in French. I just looked it up real quick and saw that it was a French stew. Ah, look at you. I hate you both. Oh, I had (laughs) to look it up. I had to phonetically spell it out so I could say it. And it still seems wrong. It probably is. (laughs) Actually, I can ask someone. I think there's someone in this house that can speak it properly. Wow. Do you want me to ask? Yeah. No? Okay. All right. Well, it's also National monkey day i like monkeys yeah you are a monkey. they're I'm cute like they're cute but they like to throw their poop at you no that's not me <laughs> my kids look like monkeys when they were born they were hairy i know somebody that does that though where they like to throw their poop at people ew that's pretty gross yeah it's not fun <laughs> So, some interesting national things today. Was that all of them? Yes, it is. So, what? I have a big fat monkey. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, Kirsten. (laughs) You're the old woman. (laughs) Yeah, she's the old woman who refuses to grow up in any form. What? totally responsible. I'm yeah, pretty okay. sure I got that from my mom. 
okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, so you guys had what, a great introduction as far as what we're discussing today. What are we discussing? Tell what? the audience. Well, we're discussing you giving me away. <laughs> kind of. I love you, Mom. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> and you can see Stephanie is terribly traumatized. I was so traumatized. And you're so angry at her. How dare you? I right? am so angry. That's why I don't want to be here at all. <laughs> That's right. So we're pretty much discussing adoption, how it affects the child and the mother and family members. Right. So do you tell them. Start number, or do you want me to? You go ahead and start because it's more between the two of you. And I was just there and able to enjoy the introduction to my beautiful niece. So... 17 years old, um, had just turned 17 a month or so before, um, got pregnant. And actually, Stephanie, it was your father that came and said, did you tell me you were on birth control? And I'm like, nope. And he says, uh, you might be pregnant. I get morning sickness when I get girls pregnant. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> And um, then he's like, so if you want an abortion, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to have an abortion. But if um, anything, I'm going to give the baby up for adoption. And he was like, well, then I'll just keep it myself. And I'm thinking, so ultimately what you're thinking is that it's either abortion or you have to keep it. But he wasn't serious about being responsible like that he never was um so i found out the day before we moved from fernley to ely that i was pregnant and i tried to keep it a secret not knowing how to pull that off you didn't i i didn't no i <laughs> i started sleeping a lot and my mom's like why are you sleeping so much i'm like i'm so tired and then and bored you know, there's nothing to do. We just moved, whatever. Then I started getting sick. <clears throat> and I and hated you. Why? Why did because you hate me? We had to share a room when we first moved there. We had bunk beds. I got no sleep because you were so sick. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It wasn't morning sickness. It was all day sickness. And I, I would throw up all the time. I learned how to vomit quietly because I was trying to hide it and at one point um I finally just decided you know what my mom already knows she's not a stupid woman she's got to know so I went in and I said mom I because we were renting this trailer while we were looking for a house to buy and I came out my mom was sitting in the kitchen I said mom I've got to tell you something I said I'm pregnant and she looked at me and said I was wondering when you were going to tell me so um then of course summer knew because she lived with us and my dad but none of my other siblings or family members knew um, and it wasn't that <clears throat> we were keeping it because it was a dirty secret 
Um, we just figured that because I was giving you up for adoption, um, there was no reason for the family to know. And, the heartbreak. Yeah, the heartbreak of it all. Um, and so went through my pregnancy and I vomited a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I was about 20 pounds underweight by the time I got to five months, which is about the, the time that I stopped vomiting. Um, and my mom was with me for my ultrasound with you. And I, I was like trying to make it as easy on myself as possible. So I didn't know whether you were going to be a boy or a girl. I didn't want that information, but my mom had never had uh, seen an ultrasound of a baby before. So that was the first one for me. So I knocked that off her bucket list. <laughs> um, it was, it was, um, I went into labor one night. I had to, I was sleeping. I had to go to the bathroom. By the time I got to the bathroom, I'd wet my pants. I went back to my room and changed and wet my pants again. And then I went in and told my mom, I said, mom, I keep wetting my pants. And she said, well, your water's breaking or broke or whatever. So then the contraction started and they were horrendous. Um, I tried to sit, but they hurt so bad. And I was walking around in circles in the living room. By that time we'd moved into my parents' house that they had bought. Um, and, um, we went to the hospital. They checked me and said, you're not far enough along. Come back later. We waited. And then I went in, in the morning sometime and, uh, was there through the rest of it, but the contractions were, were awful. Um, my mom had always told us that she read novels during her labors. And when we were getting ready to leave the house, she goes, make sure you bring a book with you. And, you know, quite honestly, I never thought about picking up the book to read it. The closest thought I had to anything with that book was throwing it at this one doctor that had come in. Because he was a complete ass. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Summer, you came in during the day, didn't you? Yeah, I came in and brought you some flowers. That's what I thought. And you convinced me that I was not going to have children for a long time. Wow. Uh, what did she say? Oh, it was just watching her in labor. Oh. Because your mom is a very strong woman. And seeing her in that much pain, I'm like, yep, I'm waiting a long time. That's fair. Yeah. Excruciating pain. I didn't realize until I want to say... It was after Paul, but before Kirsten, uh, that my labor was completely different than normal labor. Because I watched my friend uh, Luana, she was in labor. I, I went to visit her while she was having her baby. And I'm watching her have a contraction. I'm like, wait a second. That's not what I feel. And then I realized that mine was all in the back and hers was in the front and I'm like what but 
back labor and you were 12 plus hours of labor, Stephanie, you and Paul and Kirsten. Yes. Over 12 hours of labor, back labor the whole time. It was awful. It's so painful. It's like somebody's trying to rip your spine out or something. It is the worst. And well, now I don't want kids. Thanks. Well, have it easy. I don't know. I'm the only one in my family that has it like that. Yeah, I never knew that I was in labor. Yeah, she never even knew. And I don't think Tara had those kind of issues either. So I'm special. <laughs> That's okay. I just felt like I was really dumb. I'm like, how does a person not know they're in labor? I had to have the medical staff tell me. Well, I wasn't going to say it out loud that you're dumb, but <laughs> thank you bring it up. <laughs> but uh, so my mom had had her, her birth natural, no pain medication at all. And I was going to do it too. And it's not until we got into the delivery room and I'm still having these excruciating pain in my back. And I said, I changed my mind. I want something. And they said, honey, it's too late. And, you know, the doctor, I think they must have known. I don't know if they knew that I was giving you up for adoption or not. But when I had you, they're like, okay, so you're going to start to push now. And I'd seen enough movies to see that they have you push and stop and push and stop. And I thought, fuck this. I'm not stopping. I've got to make the pain stop. <laughs> so um, my mom was there with me and I cried out one time during like not during the birth, but during like while the contractions were happening. But before they had me push, I, I cried out once, like kind of screamed. And she said, Kirsten. And it made me feel really, really ashamed. Of, it did. It made me feel very ashamed of myself that I wasn't tough enough to do this without crying out. Oh. And and so I was. I was like not gonna do it one more time. And um, when they were having me start pushing, I started pushing, and I literally pushed you out in one push. Like there was no second push. It was one. Dang. And. I tore all the way. And so they, the doctor actually, holy shit. I remember. Cause I, you know, you're, you're up at an angle kind of with your legs spread. The doctor almost didn't catch you. <laughs> you shot out and you, yeah, you were wet and slippery and he almost did not catch you, but he did. And they, took care of you that did the thing and then they had you kind of behind him and there he's sewing me up like this is taking a little longer in there than it should have but he's sewing me up you're all bundled up and everything and I said I want her next to me so they wheeled you next to me and I reached over and touched you and cried and it was very important to me that I see you and know you um I tried very hard to make it as easy as I could to be able to let you go, but there's nothing you can do that makes it easy. This is your child. This is um, a human being that is very much a part of you, 
not just genetically, but this child has grown in your womb and has you felt them kick and move and have hiccups and everything else. And it's really a very wonderful experience. And I loved you. I always did while you were growing inside of me and everything. And it was, it was difficult choice, but my choice was based on the fact that I was 17. I had no career. Um, and I had no way to take care of you. So I wasn't even graduated from high school at that point. I was still doing my schooling. And um, so they took me to my room and throughout the night I would get up, you know, you wake up and I would walk over to the nursery and look at you and you were the only baby in there. And <clears throat> I'd go back to my room and I'd sleep for a bit and I'd come back and I'd look at you. And <clears throat> then the next morning, um, we were getting ready to be checked out in a few hours. And I went to the nursery and, and the nurse was getting you cleaned up and dressed. And I helped her. It was very, very important to me that I have this contact with you. It wasn't like I had this baby and I had him take it away and I never saw you and never touched you or anything. And so I helped her get you dressed and then they needed to feed you. And so she asked if I would like to. So I sat in the nursery and in a rocking chair and I fed you and, and with a bottle and I burped you. And then it was time for me to be getting out of there soon. So I held you and I hugged you. And I kissed you and I told you how much I loved you. And I put you back into the little um, crib thing. And I turned around and my mother was standing there looking at me with just tears running down her face. And she said, I don't know how you can touch that baby and then let her go. And I said, Mom, I have to touch her. I have to love her. I have to hold her and kiss her goodbye. And that was the thing. Like everybody has their own level of what they can do and what they can't do. I had to hold you and touch you and kiss you and tell you I loved you. And my mom could look at you, but she couldn't touch you and then let you go. But my dad couldn't even look at you because he wouldn't have been able to let you go. And everybody has their level of what they can do. And they're still be able to make this choice. And it is a difficult choice. And so when, um, when they took you, I had a baby blanket that <clears throat> some women I knew had made. And I don't think that they knew that I was giving you up for adoption. They were from the church and they saw that I was pregnant and they made me this baby blanket. And I think my mom bought you a bear and sent it. And I had written you a letter. It was very important that I send this letter with you and tell you why I was giving you up for adoption. 
And it wasn't because I didn't love you. It was because I loved you so much that I needed to be able to give you the best life I could. And in that, that meant that that couldn't be with me. I had to give you a complete family with all of the opportunities that I could never, ever give you. And you have to wait three days to be able to sign the adoption papers. And I was really, really scared that I would change my mind in the three days. And I remember praying all the time that Heavenly Father would allow me to be able to make make it through the three days and do what was right. Because I knew that this was the right choice. I always knew that you didn't belong to me. And he not only gave me the three days, he gave me a few extra. And then I had probably the worst week, one of the worst weeks of my life. And that was me mourning the loss of you. And I stayed in bed for days and just cried because of the loss of my child. And my parents would come in and sit next to me in my room and comfort me and reassure me that I did the best thing for you. And they can't relate because they've never had to go through it, but they could see the amount of pain I was feeling and the loss. And I had, I had to do it though. You know, it, it was, I don't believe in abortion and it's not the baby's fault that you didn't take precautions when having sex. And I don't think that killing an innocent being is the choice An adoption is a very difficult choice to make but if somebody loves that child enough to go through that 40 weeks of pregnancy and have it tear your body up with stretch marks and whatever you know I tore all the way and and my stitches got infected and that was horrid um, but it was worth everything I had to go through to know that I gave you the best life possible. It was not easy, but it was the right choice. No, I agree. I don't know. I don't remember what Summer was feeling or what the things that she saw, but yeah, I, I tried not to get too attached, but it's hard because, you know, when you were pregnant, I wanted to feel the baby move and I wanted to see the baby, you know, and I did get to see Stephanie in the nursery and I remember how beautiful she was, but I also had to keep my mind kind of removed from the situation because, you know, we had already had a few nieces and nephews and family's everything. And I always counted Stephanie as a niece and nephew, you know, in that group of kids. Mm-hmm. So I just always respected you for doing something 
so difficult. And then my respect grew even more when I became an adult and saw people who were adopting babies and how grateful these families were. Right. So one of the things, Stephanie, is that um, with going through who I went through with the adoption, um, I was able to look at basically profiles of couples that were wanting to adopt. And it would, you know, tell you their age, their occupations, um, whether they had any children of their own or whether they couldn't have children of their own or whatever, um, whether they had adopted. And you could have a say in who the child went to. And I remember looking through these profiles and there was this one particular family that stood out to me. And I saw that they were financially stable, um, that the mom was a housewife. And that was important to me because um, I wanted you to be raised in a family where your mom wasn't working and gone all the time. Um, and they had adopted a little boy and they were wanting a little girl. Um, I saw these profiles before I had you, but I also trusted that God would have them select the right family. So I didn't really want to say which family I thought the most, you know, which one I wanted you to go to. I may have said something like, um, this family stuck out more to me, but you guys will make the best choice possible for her or the child. But I found out after I met you that that's the family you went to. So I know people probably don't get this from me listening to the podcast, but I am actually a a religious person. I I very much strongly believe in God and I, believe that we all have a purpose here and I think although it might not have been the correct thing to be having sex out of marriage I believe that God uses these situations to bring other people the family that they're supposed to have in this life and I think that that was what I was used for with you it like I said I always knew because abortion just is not something that I even consider it's it's never been and you're not the first I mean well you were the first for me but you're not the only child that I had out of wedlock and I think that that has probably been a little difficult for you when you found that out but not really So I got pregnant with Paul out of wedlock. And at that time I did have a career. I was a cosmetologist. I was 21. I found out the day before I turned 21 that I was pregnant with him because I wanted to know if I could go out partying. And I was pregnant and knew I couldn't. So I thought at first that I was supposed to give him up for adoption as well because I just thought I'm not, I guess, what? A mothering type I'm not you know 
<clears throat> and then everything started changing and all these different things started happening. And I prayed about it as, as well as I had prayed for you to see if I was supposed to keep you or giving you up for adoption. And the answer was that you're supposed to keep this one. And I don't know why, but I really honestly was planning on giving him up for adoption too. I just was praying about it as well. And the answer was it was different. Everything was falling into place that he was supposed to be with me. And it was difficult being a single mom. It, it's, it's where I've spent most of my life actually being a single mom. Um, and I, I hope that that doesn't hurt you. I've always hoped that that doesn't hurt you. And I feared for years that when or if we met, that that would hurt you deeply. And uh, I didn't want to be a nuisance to your family, but I very much wanted to know that you were healthy and strong. And I would send you things um, through the adoption agency for special birthdays because I didn't want to be a nuisance. The first year was your first birthday. And I had requested pictures and your parents not only sent me pictures, but sent me a letter that is so sweet and uh, I treasured it and it framed and hanging in my home with pictures of you as a baby because um, I've never forgotten you, never. And my first Mother's Day was the hardest after I had you, I didn't know it was going to affect me like that, but it did. And I just cried because I was a mother, but I had no baby in my life. And <laughs> um, it, it was a difficult time. Um, I sent you something for your birthday that year. The first year. And then I sent you something when you were eight. And then I the sent CCR you something room. when you were 12. Yep. And I tried to send you things that you weren't going to outgrow necessarily. And I got you a ring that I thought <laughs> would, would at some time fit your finger. But you're so skinny. You're so little you're tiny you're petite and just tiny I don't know that you're really my child because you're not shaped like me at all um I'm big girl you know I'm tall and I've and you hold that ring on by putting a ring that fits over it because it's just so big on your finger but oh yeah that's right I had to double wear it I had to put a ring that's right yep <laughs> um then when he got closer to being 18 and i was hearing all these things on tv about if you had taken paxil while you were pregnant and your baby has heart problems or whatever and i started getting really scared that there was something wrong with your health and so i 
tried to send a letter to your parents through the adoption agency, letting them know that I had been on the antidepressant Paxil when I was pregnant with you. And are you okay? And I never received any kind of response back. It was a closed adoption. Um, so I couldn't contact them. I had to go through the adoption agency. Um, but closer to when you got older, I started sending you something every year, whether it was a letter or whatever. And then you turned 18 and I hadn't heard anything and I hadn't heard anything. And at one point I contacted the adoption agency to find out if they knew if you were alive, if you were okay. And I got the harshest response I'd ever gotten from anybody because it was so callous and that was that this is a closed adoption and if your daughter is dead you won't know it unless the family feels that you should know it and it hurt a lot like so much and um, every year about the time your birthday would come I'd start dreaming about you and I would wake up crying and I didn't really have a lot of hope that I would ever find you or we would ever see each other um, but it was something I always wanted and I think I wrote in a letter that I didn't want to come into your life and try to replace your mom because I could never do that and I would never want to but you will always be my child um, I will always love you and I just wanted to have you be a part of my life you know um, <clears throat> it, it was hard I had signed the paper when you were born that you could get my information when you were 18 and I don't know I, I just kind of stopped hoping that I would ever find you but I did I finally got a letter saying that you had contacted whomever and you had given them your home and your cell phone number and your name and I got that and called you that night and then uh met you the next day we drove all the way to reno so that we could meet so stephanie what was your experience like my parents told my brother and i when we were pretty young that we were adopted um i don't remember much about it just other than the fact that they were like hey you guys were adopted. We couldn't have kids. And I don't think it really affected me, like, in a negative way. It didn't really affect me in a positive way. It was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, okay, I'm adopted. Like, I knew I always wanted to meet my mom. And I always thought about that. I was like, you know, I wonder what kind of traits I have from my parents and stuff like that. All this stuff. Um, and then I remember when I got older, I don't remember when. But I remember when I got older, I either found all the letters and my parents started showing me all the letters and then started showing me the gifts. Um, I don't know if you know this, Mom, but the lady that was taking me from Ely to Vegas so that my parents could come pick me up, 
she actually wrote them a letter talking about like um how it was one of the most spiritual connection connections that she's ever felt and how I was such an easy baby and how like she's never felt anything like this when going through an adoption and, and just like it was it was just really powerful and it was just really such a cool story um I remember when my parents found out that they had a girl my mom screamed and some neighbors ran over I think the same thing happened when they found out that they were having my brother too but I remember my mom was so excited and they actually flew to Vegas and they always regret it they wish they would have taken my brother but they never did because uh, my brother had school that day but they promised my brother that he'd be the first person to see me when they got back and they almost weren't able to take me on the plane because I was so tiny um but they like told the people like look if we don't get home uh we don't have anyone to pick up our son etc and they're like okay and I guess I slept through like the whole flight and then they went straight to school and picked up my brother they even took him out of school early and my brother was so excited to like see me and stuff um but I remember all the letters that you gave me. I definitely remember the Paxil one. I remember most of the gifts that I got. And then I remember what, how old was I? Like 19, 20 when we met? Something yeah, I, like think you were, I think you were like 19. <clears throat> yeah. I remember I sat my parents down. I know it's always been hard for my mom. My dad, my dad was more understanding, but it was really hard for my mom. And I sat them down and I was like, look, I want to meet my mom. I was like, I'm not going to run away or go live with them. I just want to meet them, you know, only if it's okay with you. And I told my mom, I was like, if you don't feel comfortable, because I know that you feel like I'm going to run away or just all this jealousy, or you feel like I'm not going to love you anymore. Like, that's totally fine. Then I won't do it. But this is just something that I want to do. And I I don't want to do it unless you guys specifically are okay with it. And my mom was kind of hesitant at first, just because we were always fighting a lot. I was, I hate to say it, but I was a very bratty teenager. Um, and so we didn't have the really best relationship. And I just didn't want to break her heart if I saw you. But she knew that this was something that I wanted and she gave in. And she still is like that a little bit, but she understands that I love her just as much and that I'm not going to like... If we get into a fight, I'm not going to stop talking to her be like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you. But yeah, I'm glad that they did that. Um, and then I remember you called me like right as I was like driving home from work or something. And then I told my parents, I think you called the house phone too, because they were like, yeah, we got a call from the house phone. And I was like, oh. And then I remember the next day we met at the park and we cried. And then we went to Olive Garden. And there's that picture of you hugging me, and I'm hiding my face because I'm bullying. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was probably one of the best moments of my life, just to get to meet everyone. That's when I met Grandma for the first time. And that was a lot of fun. I got to see all my siblings. And then I remember Tanu tried to spoil me, and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be spoiled. But you guys still bought me stuff anyways, and that was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed every moment of it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so the letter actually came to my mom's house. 
and she called me. I was sitting on the couch in the living room and she said, so I've got this piece of mail from the state of something, something. And I'm like, well, just open it and tell me what it is. And she did. And she read it to me. And I started crying and um, she gave me the phone numbers and from it didn't differentiate the cell and the house phone. So I called the one and it was the house phone. And I spoke with your mother and um, explained who I was and everything. And she told me that you'd be getting home or off work around something time and that the other phone number was your cell phone number. So it was horrible having to wait that long, but I waited until you were off work and then gave you a call. And uh, I remember you talked to me, you were like, you said hello. And I said, Stephanie, and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to word it. I didn't know what to say. I'm like, <clears throat> I didn't know if I should say this is your mother or whatever. And I just gave you my name. I said, this is Kirsten. And you go, oh, really? So you must have seen my name on the paperwork and remembered it. I think I had a feeling that you were going to call. I don't know why, but I just had this feeling that you were going to call. And I think I was kind of expecting it because after my parents agreed, I just had this feeling that it was going to happen pretty quick. And it kind of did, surprisingly. So I don't How know, but I think take? it was more of a shock. To be honest, I don't remember. I just remember I told them and then I don't know what happened after that. Like, I don't know if my parents got a hold of the adoption agency, but it like, I kind of had a feeling, but at the same time, it just also shocked me because I was like, whoa, like I'm actually talking to my birth mom. Like, this is crazy. Yep. And, you know, I know when you were born, like all of you kids were born with full head to hair, but yours was blonde. Oh, and I forgot to tell you this. So the day I think it was of your birth, or maybe it was the day, the next day, the doctor was like walking around carrying you and showing you off to everybody. And I, <laughs> why? I don't know if it's because he's like, so this baby came shooting out of her hoo-ha like a missile. And <laughs> I, it I don't know, but he was walking around showing you off to everybody. And I think that maybe it's because you came shooting out and he caught a like a greased football. <laughs> Bragging rights. Yeah. Oh. But, um, I don't know. Um it was, it was very intense and all the way to Reno. And I don't know why, but I, maybe because the, the department of the adoption agency that I went through was out of um, Vegas, but I always thought you'd gone to Vegas to a family over there. Um, Which ironically, we did move to Vegas. So. And then back was... to Reno. <laughs> exactly. So the funny thing is, is that I had moved to Reno the year that I gave birth to you. I gave birth to you um, in the spring and I moved there in the summer to go to beauty school. Then why did and you at one point, me to Vegas then? 
Um, I don't know. Maybe you know how they have like different um areas that they'll cover. I, mean, I think that yeah, would be it. Guess, but I mean, if we're both in Reno, wouldn't it just make more sense? Well, I was living in Ely. Oh wait, yeah. Okay, never mind. And anyways, so um, I was living in Reno, and I went to J.C. Penney's one time for something, and I'm walking by where they do the photographs, and I don't even know if they still do that there, but they used to, and I walk by and I see this mother with a baby about your age, this little girl. And I looked at you. Well, I don't know if it was you. I have a feeling it actually was. But I walked by and I looked at this baby and I thought, that could be my baby. It's the same age, blonde, little girl. And I kept going. And I guess we actually didn't live very far from me where I was living in Sparks and you were living in Sparks. And I don't know, it was, I would mail things to you to the adoption agency. And then apparently it's going straight to someplace in Reno. So it's, I mean, they had to filter it through the adoption agency, but. Um, oh yeah, I was, know because the first letter you sent me, they had to black out a bunch of stuff in it. <laughs> Like it was must like a be, secret document. Must have been given too much personal information. Closed. If it had been an open adoption, that is not what happens. I have a a friend that I know. She, her circumstances were different. She's living in Ely. And somebody she worked with was like, hey, I'm having like a, party get together at my house and people from work are coming you're invited she shows up and nobody's there he rapes her and she gets pregnant and she actually moved to Oregon for a while and lived with a mutual friend of ours who took care of her during the pregnancy and she gave her daughter up for adoption um, but it's an open adoption and so she's able to see the child and talk to the child and everything. Um, but she was very young as well. Um, she, I believe, was under 18 when this happened. Oh, wow. Um, but it's, it's been a healing experience for her because she, like, the debates nowadays is you don't have the right to tell a woman what to do with her body. That's true. However, when you get to where there's another life involved, it's no longer a simple cut and dry of, you know, getting a piercing or a tattoo or whatever, you know, deciding you want to have a sex change. That that's, that's only involving you. There's a life involved. And, well, the baby's not alive until this trimester. That's not true. If it's not alive, it can't grow and develop, which is exactly what a baby does from conception. And so it is a live being. And you're now involving that live being in your choice. So it's, it's something I feel very strongly about. And I don't agree because 
this girl I knew, she was raped. And she did the right thing. She had the baby and gave her up for adoption. And, you know, some people can keep the child and raise them and not have any kind of like seeing the father, reliving the experience. But then some people, they, they see the experience and they relive it. And, you know, you, you have to understand that that's a tough choice. And I've known people who have adopted. It was a family in Ely and they had adopted and the girl was younger than me. And they found out that I had given my child up for adoption. I never, ever hid it from anybody. I always claimed you as one of my children. I have five children. I have, you know, however many I had at the time. When it was Paul, I have two children. Kirsten, I have three children. Hank and Bobby, I have five children. I was never been ashamed of it. It it was in every aspect the right choice. Um, and I loved you. And so I would never say, I don't have this child. It was always claiming you. And they they all came to me. So the girl came to me and talked to me about why I did it and how it was for me because she needed to know because her parents had given her up for adoption and her parents had come to me and said, you know, well, as the mother, you know, this and that. And I've been able to help people that have given up children for adoption, have adopted children and the child that that was adopted. I've been able to help people from my perspective. They've all asked me and everybody's circumstances are different and it is a difficult choice but it is something that if you allow yourself to you can be assistance to others who are going through the same thing or living it you know and at the same time I could ask the girl like so how does it feel like you have any resentment towards your birth parents or you know, whatever, do you feel like you weren't loved and that's why you were given up for adoption? And everybody has their own feelings. You never know. Sometimes they do. I knew, I dated a guy that was adopted. Um, and Summer, you know the family too. And he said he did resent his birth parents for giving him up for adoption, but that he very much loved his uh, family that he was raised with. That's the same and with they my had, brother. Yeah. Sorry. Because I talked to no, my brother about it because um, my brother's adopted too. And my brother said that his mom sent him a letter too, but he never wanted to open it and he never wanted anything to do with her. And when he, when he gets really drunk, he'll be like, I hate my mother for everything that she did. He's like, I don't want anything to do with her. I don't care. He's like, I don't even want to talk to her to find out like what medical problems I have. He's like, it's just she gave me up for a reason and I don't want to find out that reason. Obviously she did it. And he's like, I love mom and dad and I'm glad they're my parents, but you know, I'm glad I'm here, but that's basically it. And he'll get so mad. Like if I mention you, he'll blow up on my face and be like, why do you talk to your birth mom? You know, it hurts mom's feelings. He's like, I don't know why you want to talk to them. Like, unless it's for medical reasons, he's like, you know, you're just ruining the family. And he was like, I don't understand how you can love your birth mom. And I was like, well, it's my choice. And he's like, yeah, but she gave you up. And I was like, well, yeah, I read the letter and she had every reason. He goes, well, that's stupid. Like all this stuff. And so I can never talk to him about it. Like he just, he has so much hatred for his mom who gave him up. And it's just, it's sad. 
That sad. really is too bad. Yeah, because there's a whole letter explaining why, and he doesn't want anything to know with it. But it's just like, okay. Darn. See, that's just it. If you, if you didn't love your child, that's why abortion would be an option. Yeah. But when you love your child, you're willing to go through that time and everything. The heartache. That's when you know that you've been loved by your birth parent. Because abortion's easier. You don't ever have to think about it. You just cut and dry. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is my senior year, I found out that I knew the family that took you in, Stephanie, for those three days. Um, I was out with some friends and the girls just like, so I was never able to say anything, but my family took care of your niece until she was able to be adopted. And she was so sweet and so cute. And so I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a small world. And then come to find out after I finally met you is that the, there is one of the first families that I babysat for knew you. Wasn't it the Miley's? No. Actually, I didn't know that you knew them either. It was the Zins. Wait, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. so, you know, once we got friends on Facebook and everything, I'm just like, holy cow, how do we have so many mutual friends? That's really funny. I didn't know about the Zins. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just such a small world and all these close ties. So, it, it's... It's wonderful. It really is. And I remember the first time that I met you, I felt like that we knew each other forever. And we had like such like, there was a really strong spiritual connection. And just looking at you, I was like, yeah, I definitely know I'm related to her. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was with you, Summer, but like, I just knew right away. Well, you know, like I said, as far as I was concerned, you were always my niece. And I always counted you along yeah. with the nieces and nephews. And it took forever in my mind to finally meet you face to face. I know. <laughs> but it was absolutely wonderful. It was like a dream come true. I finally got to hug you and just enjoy the heck out of you. Oh uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But you know, in some ways you look more like me than your mom because you got my forehead. So what's funny is, mom, when you gave me that scrapbook and you gave me the only picture of my dad, I actually mm -hmm. look a lot like my dad more than you in that picture. I know. And I definitely have his personality because it's the punk rock one. And I was like, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of your mom's sass in you, too. Oh, I know, but that picture, like, it's insane how crazy I look like my dad, and I just love that freaking punk rock picture of him. <laughs> I have a feeling I know the picture. <laughs> Actually, it's the... Mohawk. Yeah. Yep, I gave him the mohawk. I look fun. like my dad yeah. in that picture. It's hilarious. Yeah. Summer. Yes? Are you aware that Stephanie knew Christian as well? Christian. He's Christian. Our, knee, our cousin. Oh! 
Christian. You went to the same high school with her in Vegas. Wait, her? Because Christian is a guy name. Yeah, her name is Christian. I know. Oh, oh, yeah. wait. Yeah, okay, never mind. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. It's insane how how close That's we were and the, the ties that we've had. That's right. And she has like a brother and I went to high school with them. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. Fun. Yep. You yep. knew family I, I before you knew they were family. Exactly. So I actually told Katrina, I said, it's pronounced Kirsten. And she got mad. She didn't think it was funny. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Christian is the male version of Kirsten. But that's what her name is. And she's awesome. I love Christian. Yeah, she is. I think the biggest regret for me wasn't meeting you, but it's the fact that I don't keep in touch with you guys as much as I would love to. Like, I want to have your own life. I know, but I want to get to know like my siblings more and like be more involved in things. So that's why, like, it was really a big deal that I went to KJ's graduation and everything. Yeah, but like, I mean, I know that we're getting older and life's getting busier, but like. I still wish that, like, I could talk to them, like, if they're okay with it, like, you know, just get to be at least more comfortable where it's not just, like, oh, like, hey, you're my sister, what's up, like, I don't know, I just want to, like, be more acquainted with you guys, all of you. No, I, well, I get it. Hank and Bobby are always asking about you and stuff, and, you know, you play video games, and Hank would love to get online and play with you, but. Okay, so all he can, all he can do is Snapchat because he's not mature enough to actually have a a working phone. Okay, then I'll I'll Snapchat him later and be like, okay, I heard you want to play video games. Right. Hank Hank so, messages me more on Snapchat than Bobby. Half the time, Bobby's Bobby uh, red. <laughs> Bobby does what? She just leaves me on read. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Bobby's pretty busy. She is very active, and Hank works and plays video games. Okay. I'll message uh, him on Snapchat. Right. But, yeah, um, I don't know. Summer, did you ever... You looked at Stephanie, didn't you, when she was born? Yeah. But, you know, one of my favorite memories was when you were pregnant and I was just goofing around and I put my ear on your belly. She kicked me right in the ear. And that oh, was the that. weirdest feeling. Weirdest feeling. I remember but that. But it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like, don't get close to my mom's stomach. I'm going to kick you. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Babies are funny, you know, um, they totally hear things going on. So when I was pregnant with Kirsten, Paul was, he was three going on four and we would sit in my bed in the night and I would read to him and it must've been the position I would sit in, but every night Kirsten would start kicking a storm up and Paul just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And he would laugh and laugh and laugh, seeing my belly jump around like that. And so when she was born um, and was getting, like, I couldn't get her to laugh. I couldn't get her to smile. I couldn't anything. 
you know, she's getting to where she's responding and stuff, you know, at that age. And Paul would come around and talk to her and she would smile and laugh. And I couldn't get her to do it. So I think she remembered hearing his laughing and stuff when, when I'd be reading to him and she'd be kicking around, making my belly jump. But it is, it is a difficult decision. Um, unfortunately, people use abortion as a form of birth control because they want to go out and be wild. And I know somebody here that has done that. And it's disgusting. And I have a hard time not <clears throat> judging because I've been in the situation. Yeah. But to use it as a form of birth control because you decided you didn't want to be with the baby daddy and so you don't want to be a you know single parent or bring down the anger of your parents on you because you're not married and you're pregnant I don't know I just have a hard time with it because I've been there twice yeah hey who was the baby that didn't like the concert Kirsten Kirsten <laughs> who was it that opened? Not I don't even remember who What'd it was that opened. I was some Swedish death metal band. Yeah, I, I wish I could remember death the name. Clock? No, no, that was that was way later on. Yeah, I mean, this is forever ago. I'd laugh if it was Death Clock. That'd be funny. Yeah. She did not like it, and I don't think it's her type of music now either. Nope. Nope. You know what she just told me today? What? She's almost 20. I'm like, oh, man. They're growing up too fast. Yep. I'm going to be 28 yep. next year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so old. You are. But, but you're older. Yes, ma'am. But I love you, Stephanie. I love you, and too. And you're a treasure in my life. And know that I've never regretted, ever, not one moment of anything I've gone through. Because I know that what I did was right. And I know that you're with the family you're supposed to be with. But that doesn't stop you from being my daughter, too doesn't stop me from loving you or wanting you in my life. Um, and I remember when you came to see me and you'd never seen the stars. I asked you, have you ever seen the Milky Way? Because you've, I think, always lived in the city. And so I knew the stars are limited. And we went outside and sat there. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, on the truck. Because your cat, like, yep. was pregnant or something. Ugh, she's always pregnant. <laughs> but... <laughs> I remember Dang that. Yep. And just having the, the little moment with you of being able to sit out at night and look at the stars. It was special. Oh, that was so much fun. Yep. But. Yeah, I think the important thing to also keep in mind is that our side of the family has not ever tried to take you away from your family. 
if anything, it's just increased the size. Exactly. You you have so many people that love you. And in my mind, at least, you can never have too many people that love you. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I don't think... Go ahead. I would say I don't think anyone in on the side of the family would ever try to sit in between you and your family. No, I know that for sure. What were you gonna say before I interrupted? Oh, that I just know that you guys love me, and I'm glad that I have both sides of the family, and I just want to obviously try and be around you guys more, just to like strengthen that relationship and just make more memories. And I know that. Uh, what mom did was the right choice and I know that she never regretted it and I don't regret it either I'm That's actually awesome. glad that she did what she did like I know deep down it was the right choice I love it and I think it's very mature of you Stephanie that you could be like okay I'm adopted that doesn't mean that I wasn't loved um, but it means I'm loved twice over because my mother loved me enough to give me up for adoption instead of killing me. And my, my parents loved me enough to have adopted me life. Yeah. I've always been pretty open-minded about it. And I think that's wonderful. And I, I really am sad for your brother that he feels that way. I don't, I'm sad for him. I'm sad. You know, know. Um, it's the way of life, so unfortunately. It is. And I I also I'm so I feel so lucky. Like I feel I feel sad for like, you know, other kids that, you know, haven't gotten adopted or they got adopted and not in the best condition, you know, or just other situations. And I sit here and I'm like, Wow, I'm so lucky. And I just I hope and pray that other kids, you know, Maybe not have the best of luck that I have, but at least have some sort of love or some sort of comfort, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm grateful for everything that I've had because, you know, I could have, I could have had it worse, you know? And I'm just, I'm forever grateful for that. And I remember talking to somebody on Reddit about it, actually. I was like, hey, this is my story. And I was like, you know, I understand that you may not have the same connection, but at least you were adopted and somebody loves you. And they were like, you know, you're right. I really needed to hear that today. Like, just, I'm just, I'm so grateful, you know? That's awesome. I think that there's a power behind, like, what I have as the, the mother that gave you up for adoption but there's also a power with you being the adopted child and seeing it in such a positive light that there's people that you can help Mm -hmm. to see it in that loving and positive aspect and i know that when i do want to have kids like i want to adopt a kid regardless if i can have kids or not like i just know that that's something that i want I love it. I think that's awesome. And we have that niece. You have that cousin through yeah. our family, Stephanie, that was adopted. And it's Which one? Diamond. I've never met her. Amy. Amy and Neil. No, you haven't met her. Amy and Neil 
felt very strongly that they needed to adopt. And I think they needed to adopt a daughter is what they felt. And Diamond came into their life and she is wonderful. She's really an amazing young lady. And we're lucky to have her in our family. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's been in the family since before Savannah was born. Maybe not adopted, but she's been in the family. Because they started out as a foster thing. Yeah. And then they adopted her. Yeah, I just remember Savannah being born and knowing that Diamond was in the picture. So, counted her as a niece before she was actually fully adopted. That's cool. Yeah. Like yep. I said, can't have too much family because it's all a bunch of love and it's fantastic. Exactly. Yep. Well, I love you guys. Love you too. <laughs> I think we should probably wrap this up. Thanks for having uh, me. Thank you so much for being on with us. I'm glad we and got I to hope do that this. I hope that this podcast, we don't have very many serious ones, but I hope this podcast can help people have a better look at what it's like from different angles yeah that's why i wanted to do it because i thought it'd be cool to talk about the different sides mm-hmm. yeah all right everybody well thank you for joining us this week and we hope you guys have a great day and stay salty bye Later. bye